0: Hello, fellow Capitals. Hope you're well. So breaking news, the consumer debt in the United States is skyrocketing now at all-time highs. Let's get right over to the Wall Street Journal and take a deep dive, try to figure out what's going on here. It's time to worry, or is it time to worry about consumer debt? What is going on in seven charts? So now keep in mind, this is not adjusted for inflation, but in nominal terms, consumer debt, $1. trillion. And now that cannot include mortgages. No. So yeah, there's no way that includes mortgages. So I assume this is just credit cards, student loans. I don't even think that. Oh, that's just credit card balances. Oh, excuse me. My goodness. It's 10 times worse than I thought. (laughs) Oh my gosh. $1 trillion in credit card balances. Holy cow. All right. Let's get into the article here. Consumers are still flush with cash. That's from stimmies and whatnot, and not having to pay back their student loan. More on that in just a moment, but are more often falling behind on some payments, making it a complex picture. So First, obviously, they're showing this chart, the one that I use in the thumbnail, to illustrate that, okay, consumer debt or credit card balances, for heaven's sakes, are at an all-time high, is that good or bad? Because you hear both arguments. You hear the argument that, oh, this is fantastic because the consumers, man, they're doing well because look at how much they're putting on their credit card. I have a tough time believing that. Uh, the other argument is, wow, look at how poorly they're doing because they've got to put everything on their credit card. I kind of fall more into that latter camp. But I think what's interesting right at the bat is to compare this to the GFC and look at this. This would be consistent with a recession or going into a recession. Uh, I would have assumed that credit card debt would have plummeted, especially at the beginning of, of the GFC. But no, credit card debt kept going up and up and up. Till pretty much the very end. So I think this would support the argument that credit card debt going up is not a result of the consumer doing well, but the consumer doing poorly. So they go into uh, you know this debate that we're referring to. Uh, let's say the good news is it looks like it's still the case. And they're talking about that the median savings and checking balances are at least 30% higher and this is as of July 2023 than they were in 2019. The problem here, when you look at this chart, is I don't think it adjusts for inflation. So let's read this median household savings and checking balances by income. So median households, okay, indexed to a 2019 average, okay, for a fixed group of households. So meaning that, that the household didn't go from uh earning less than 50 to above 250K. So they could be tracked and you'd have kind of an apples to apples comparison. So th- these are nominal numbers here, guys, which I think once you understand these are nominal numbers, it makes kind of the discrepancy with what's going on a lot more clear because what they're arguing is that, okay, well, these uh, credit card balances are skyrocketing. There's a lot of the, the debt payments, although still under their norms as far as delinquencies they're going in the wrong direction and they're going in the wrong direction quickly. And this doesn't really make sense because the consumer still has uh, more savings and higher checking account balances than they did in 2019. But again, it it all starts to make a lot of sense when you adjust for inflation. And if it's 30% higher, I mean, what has the compounded inflation rate been, especially for the poor and middle class? Uh, Their inflation rate, I would argue, is far higher uh, because of what they have to spend money on. And for the fact that you know, they have to spend their whole paycheck on food, energy, housing, and those are the things that have really gone up, where if you're making $250,000 a year, what percentage of your income is actually spent on those items? Therefore, if inflation in aggregate total is going up, it's going to have a, a much, much, much bigger impact on the poor and middle class. So let's look at uh, the $50,000 and under as far as household income, and- uh, and I hate to say it, but this is why all the lines were so long at Louis Vuitton <laughs> in 2021. Uh, not, let, me, let me preface, because I know I'm going to piss off a lot of people here. Not everyone that makes under $50,000 a year is bad with money. But a lot of them are. A lot of them are. And if you are bad with money, likely... One of the things you'll do when you get a windfall from the government is blow it on some sort of consumer good like Louis Vuitton. Okay. That being said, uh, the more important thing to understand is with all of these income brackets for household, uh, median household savings and checking, we're, we're looking at this, if we actually adjust for inflation, this is going you know, this would be right back where it was in 2019. The problem there is now their incomes aren't going up with the rate of inflation. So this trend down is likely going to continue into the future. And I would argue, even in nominal terms, it'll probably go back down to where it was in 2019 and keep going down. Why? Because the, the, most people's incomes have not gone up with the rate of consumer price inflation. So we have negative real wage growth. So at a certain time that those increased savings and checking account balances, even in nominal terms, are going to be depleted. And uh, I think this chart would show that definitively when you look at this trend, all going straight down. So now we look at the percentage of US consumer balances moving from current to 30 day plus delinquent during quarter by loan type. So we see auto loan, credit card, mortgage uh, delinquencies are all much lower than they were let's just say you know at the peak of the problem in the GFC, but it looks like home uh, mortgages their delinquency rate is getting close to where it was prior to the Cervasus sickness and auto loan and credit card delinquencies are higher than they were. And the article says, well, you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense because the savings and checking out balances are higher. But again, when you adjust for inflation, this number makes a lot of sense. And I would also point out kind of the elephant in the room is student loan payments. Look at the delinquency rate on student loans. In 2019, we're hovering right around 10%. And now it's 1%. 1%. Well, you guys know why. We've been talking about that on this channel. Uh, we've been talking about uh, that specifically on this channel for quite some time. That's that the, A lot of these uh, kids or a lot of these people don't have to make their student loan payment. The average student loan payment is $400 a month. And they're going to have to start paying that back very soon, September, October. So what happens to the auto loan delinquency, the credit card delinquency, and the mortgage delinquency once these people have to start paying back the loan. And you may be saying to yourself, well, George, it's, it's not, I mean, we were just talking about students here. How, how big of a problem could this possibly be? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's go right over to my Twitter feed where I just tweeted this out. 43 million Americans are going to have to start paying $400 a month on average. In my opinion, high probability this has significant impact on the economy. Now I was slightly wrong here. I should not have said, and I actually corrected it in the reply. I should not have said 43 million because it is true. Some of these kids or some of these people, I keep saying kids, some of these people are in school and some of them actually are making their student loan payment. But when you dive into the details, which I did, and we're going to do in just a moment, you see that the amount of people that are actually making their payments is alarming to say the least. When you consider that 43 million Americans actually have student loan debt. So we'll dive into that in just a moment. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, Commodity Trading, Jason Hartman, Real Estate, and Brent Johnson with Macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Check out this article this morning from Yahoo Finance. Target slashes profit outlook on student loan repayment fears and economic malaise. So it's not just me talking about this. It's the economists that work at Target saying, hey, this is going to be a big problem. We can't ignore the fact that millions and millions of Americans are going to have an extra $400 expense every single month. And if it cuts into Target's bottom line, I think that this is a good bellwether for the entire economy. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty, and then we're going to go back to the Wall Street uh, Journal. And this but nitty-gritty with the student loan payments. This is from Forbes. So this breaks down the student loan debt by status. So it is true that of those 43 million or 45 million that I tweeted about 6.4 million are still in school. So the fact that they're still in school means that they're not going to have to, they're not gonna have this deadline in September, October, where they're gonna have to start making these $400 a month on average payments. But look at how many people are actually repaying. So you've got 43 or I can't, uh, it's somewhere between 43 and 45 million people have student loan debt. Look at how many are repaying 500,000, 500,000. That's not 5 million. That's 0.5 million. I mean, this is hard for me to get my head around. As we speak in the United States, there's only 500,000 people actually making their student loan payments. I mean, (laughs) that is one of the most staggering statistics I think I have ever gone over on this channel. Look at how many are in forbearance. 24 million, which equals almost a trillion dollars. And that's just forbearance. Look at default, 5.1 million. Deferment, which I don't know what the difference is between that and forbearance. 3.1 million grace period, which again sounds like forbearance to me. (laughs) 1.6 million. I mean, this is just absolutely mind blowing. So let's just assume for a moment that uh, 24, call it 30 million people roughly, have to start making their $400 a month payment again in the next month. How does that impact bars, restaurants, cafes, movie theaters, travel, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, home improvement? What happens to the mortgage delinquencies? What happens to the auto loan delinquencies? Uh, How about that credit card debt? Let's get back to the Wall Street Journal. So this is the number of consumers with new foreclosures or bankruptcies. And this makes a lot of sense because housing prices have skyrocketed. But I, I, I would argue that I, I understand we have incredibly low supply in the housing market. I get it, I get it. But we got to remember that prices are set at the margin. So if there's 500,000 houses for sale across the United States, even though there's, let's say, a, a 100 million homes, if the, the price, if there's not a buyer at the current price for those 500,000 homes, whichever of those homes sell is going to impact the price of all 100 million homes because of comps. See, people forget about that. So we can go into this scenario where housing prices are coming down, even though there's super, super low supply. And then you have the unemployment rate going up. And then you have the student debt tsunami on top of the consumer debt wave that we are facing. And, and this is why I'm, I'm very uh, concerned. I, I don't see how you come to the conclusion when you consider all of the data points That just because unemployment currently, as we speak, is at 3.5%, then that means that the recession is called off. The recession has been canceled. We're not even going to have a soft landing. We're going to have no landing whatsoever. Really? And let's not forget some of the stories that we've done over the past couple days. The homeless rate just absolutely skyrocketing. And I remember on a few whiteboard videos, we talked about the buy now, pay later loans, where... I think it was like 40 million Americans say that they're going to need to use one of these loans in the next six months. And 20% of the 40 million said that they're going to need to use one of these loans just to buy groceries. Now, some good news here is the student loan balance relative to the prior quarter has gone down. And I think this is mostly because fewer and fewer kids are going to college because they see that it's just a complete ripoff, that it's a a total scam and a, a waste of time. So that's good. (laughs) So this is the average monthly U.S. homeowner principal and interest payment on outstanding mortgages. So why is it it lower than it was in 2010? And uh, this is because although home prices have skyrocketed and interest rates have skyrocketed, the majority of people that actually own a home are locked in at a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And this does make a huge, huge difference. So this is uh, some more good news that although interest rates are, are skyrocketing, mortgages, mortgage rates are skyrocketing. It, it doesn't really impact a lot of Americans. But then I would argue that it doesn't have to impact a lot of Americans. It just has to impact the people that are trying to buy the, the, the homes that are for sale right now. So if it's impacting the people that are trying to buy the homes right now, they're not going to have the money. Therefore, the prices of the existing homes for sale are gonna go down, and that is going to lower the price or the amount of equity that everyone else has, even if they have a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. And then they break it down by state. They have some interesting stats as to maybe why Texas, Florida is uh, slightly higher than the national average. All right, guys, there you go. Some just fascinating statistics here. We gotta watch that credit card debt, but I think more importantly, we've got to watch What happens as these student loans start to be repaid as far as these $400 a month payments, once they start making those payments again, the call it 30 plus million Americans, how does that impact the economy and how does that impact all of these consumer debt statistics that we see are trending up? All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism,